Jesus, an eccentric billionaire with nothing but a bunch of extra time to spare. He's got his favorite subject and he's happy to share everything he knows about Greece. He'll go to every single ritzy secret event and mingle with his buddies in the 1%. But they find his passion an embarrassment and repeatedly ask him to cease. But never one to back down, ever a pro. He claims there's nothing else that's even worth it to know. So he grabbed his butler, Eric, and he started a show to see if anything will catch his eye. Now every fresh contestant must babble and boast on the subject of their choosing that they treasure the most. Put your hands together and welcome your host. It's Adam Maximilian, Josephus, Vin Diesel, Riffi. It's Tell Me About It. On guard. Welcome to Tell Me About It, a game show about proving the things you love are actually interesting and fun. Sorry about the on guard. I'm fencing uh, with my butler here. I am Adel Rafai. Ah, Harry, Harry, Perry, Luke Perry is one of my favorite actors. Sorry to say that in the middle of fencing. I'm Adel Rafai, local eccentric multi-billionaire, and I'm still looking for someone to show me something that is better and more interesting than the movie Greece. Haha, but I'm not doing this by myself. It takes two to fence. I destroyed his house to make way for a highway. It's audio butler Eric Silver. Oh, it's even worse with the epee in my body. <laughs> Why would you introduce me and have a sword inside of me? I am so sorry. Eric, how are you doing? Uh, cut aside. Uh, I'm fine. I thought it was kind of rude to destroy my house, but uh, you told me that it was you. You were in your Robert Moses era, and mm -hmm. I said, "All right, well, I guess I'll get to go to the beach on Long Island sometime." And I, I kind of accepted it. Absolutely. And hey, Eric, you yeah. and I both know who Robert Moses is. But we, if any, we if any do. FBI agent is listening, why don't you say for them who that is? Oh, he he, uh, he started the Jewish religion. <laughs> He started the Jewish he started religion? started the Jewish religion. Robert yeah. Moses. Yeah, he did. The guy who parted the seas? He was a baby in a basket, and then he made a bunch of highways, and then, and then, we're, and then we're there. You're telling me Moses' first name is Robert? I thought his first name was Reed. Well, I mean, his friends call him Bob, like Bob okay. De Niro. Yeah. Like, oh, so Bob Mo is short for Bob Moses. Okay. Yeah, Bob Moses, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he was so great in Killers of the Flower Moon. He crushed it. Oh, I haven't seen it yet, but I am dying to wait for it to come out on Netflix. Yeah, you can't, you, listen, I'll tell you as someone who's spent a lot of time in synagogue, do not take an intermission in the middle. You got to sit through the full three and a half hours. Okay, we'll see what happens at the end. And I, I do have to ask, Eric, I can't wait for this. Do flowers have different moons than we have? Uh, yeah, they have their own moon. It's a lunar calendar, which is confusing because they're only open during the sun. It's very confusing. Interesting. Which reminds me, I have a new thing I'm pitching to Warner Brothers. It's called Lunar Tunes. Uh, I don't know how deep I should get into this or what my um, NDA uh, covers, but at some point- Eric... I'll say it. They're Jewish Looney Tunes. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say well, it. your word's not mine. Let's put that on record. I, they, I didn't sign anything. I'll say it for you. <laughs> I was thinking more like Looney Tunes on the moon, but uh, uh, Eric, you could go ahead and take ownership I, of that one. My, I, I have, there is just blood percussing from where, you, again, just because you pull an epee out of a body does not make the bleeding stop. It actually, it actually get, keeps it going. Oh, wait, you can tell this isn't a pay? 
I should just get the surgery. I should just go to Turkey and get the surgery. <laughs> Listen, uh, anyway. Uh, you but, have so much money. You should just get just get the hair plugs. Just get them. Uh, well, uh, yeah, let's introduce the guest. Who do we have today? Well, Adel, we have someone who doesn't just have uh, knowledge of what's here on Earth, but of the entire galaxy. It's writer, editor, Quirk Books, and author of Women and Other Monsters. It's Jess Zimmerman. Whoa. Hi, guys. I also once got a mole removed with an epee. Not on purpose. <laughs> wow. Uh, how how big a mole are we talking? I mean, it's about a lot smaller now. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. And what everyone knows about fencing is you got to keep people on their toes. And I'm fully, I've fully been, the movement of everything has gotten away from me. So I'm giving a point to Jess there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Deserved. Deserved. Yeah. And of course, I have my epee pin on me right now. Let me just jam that in my leg. It's just when I need a boost of energy. Okay. Oh, there we go. Let's kick it in. Jess, thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, can I ask, what are you going to be telling us about? I'm going to be talking about uh, the writer Douglas Adams and okay. probably focusing significantly on sort of his major work, which is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a trilogy of five books. Outstanding. Very excited for this. Uh, why don't we go ahead? Let's, um, yeah, let's do it. Let's move on to round one. Yeah, we already did a bunch of jokes about fencing earlier. Let's yeah. just let's, let's just get into it. Let's get into it. It's fine. Jess, I'm sorry that this is the uh, the second level of terrible evil billionaire of game show that you could have applied to. I know you wanted to be on Taskmaster, and they said, "Are you British?" And you said, "No." And they said, "Why are you here?" But you can come and do this. You can do this instead, and you can talk about whatever you want. Like they make you do the weird British thing. Yeah, they, they also expect to. you to be funny. That's and you guys, you guys said specific that I did not have to be funny or smart. You shouldn't be. It makes Mr. Rafai feel threatened, so please yeah, don't. Especially when funny is spelled with a U somehow in England. <laughs> where do they put it? I don't I, even know where I they put don't it. don't even know. Oh, yeah, I guess it's before around. the funny. You funny? Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, yeah for sure. Also, and just to say, uh, we're both over seven feet tall. Much like much like the guys on Taskmaster, you just can't see it, but we're definitely over seven feet tall. Yeah, those um, Home Depot skeletons were based on uh, my skeleton. I mean, great news. Uh, Douglas Adams was also very, very tall. Not quite as tall as Greg Davis, but. Ooh. How tall was Douglas Adams? He was six foot five. Six foot five? Mm -hmm. Just like the song, six foot five and made of muscle. That's a, that's a tall man. See, now I'm just for, I know I've read these books, but now I'm further, now I'm automatically suspicious that the only reason they got popular is because Douglas Adams could dunk. I'm very, and I know that it's less applicable. Oh no, he definitely, definitely couldn't dunk. He was also incredibly clumsy. He apparently once broke his nose on his own knee. That's impressive. Huh. And <laughs> nobody really knew how that happened. Hmm. He used to just fall out of chairs when he was sitting in them. Um, but I, I think he has the, the sort of like, hugely oversized person like funny person experience mm. of just like not ever fitting in the world and therefore wow. having to figure out sort of how how you deal with that yeah either that or he had a ghost bully falling out of chairs <laughs> breaking his nose oh boy <laughs> yeah they get they get assigned to that's what the sorting hat was originally based on <laughs> Yeah, Moaning Myrtle. What kind of was, ghost bully you got? Yeah, which yeah. ghost bully you yeah. got? They, it's Moaning so, Myrtle it's makes so you moan. Yeah. yeah, by breaking your fingers. <laughs> well, let's learn more about this giant of a man, this Robert Wadlow esque writer, Douglas Adams. Who I know a few things. I know he had a dog named Porkchop. I know he used to put his underwear on the outside, put a belt around his head, and be a superhero. 
I know quite a bit about them already, but let's learn a that. little bit more in round one. Eric, whenever you're ready. Absolutely. Jess, just tell me about it. That's round one. I have 10 foundational points about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Douglas Adams here. Uh, please give us an overview of your topic uh, in five minutes. In five minutes, I'm going to set a timer and you're going to be able to do it. And then once you're done, uh, some incredibly wacky thing will happen to you that's totally out of chance. Uh, you get points for each bullet that you address, especially if you make them sound interesting and cool. I also will tell you, I called this from Wikipedia, if that helps you. I probably should have looked through the Wikipedia first instead of just... I this is this is like episode twenty at this point. Yeah, people people could people totally could, and yet they don't. Uh, uh, so whenever you whenever you are ready. Okay. Um. Well. So, like I said, when you talk about Douglas Adams, you're probably mostly talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I think is is fine. We'll get to that later. Um. The sort of thirty second crazy. Uh. This is a story about the adventures of the last living humans and some of their alien friends after the Earth is destroyed. Um. That doesn't make it sound very funny. It is very funny. Um. Funny science fiction is both one of my personal favorite genres um, and maybe the one of the hardest ones to get right. Although my evidence for that is mostly that very few people seem to get it right. And so I think part, mm. well, part of the reason I think that Hitchhikers has been so indelible is that there aren't a lot of other pretenders to the throne because this is, this is tough to do. Douglas Adams uh, is an interesting person in his own right, uh, but this, is, this specific work is really toweringly influential. And I think part of the reason for that is that it gets more sophisticated as you get more sophisticated. So it's very, very mm. funny. Um, a lot of people get into it as children or as teens um, because it's it's funny in the sense that it has good jokes and it has funny scenarios. It has a man with two heads and three arms. You know, it has like silly things are happening. It has a, a robot who's depressed. Um, just like me. That's <laughs> just like me. <laughs> just like all of us. We all maybe learned to be depressed from Marvin the Paranoid Android. That um, is, I will say I did get hired specifically to be <laughs> Mr. Refi's uh, depressed robot. So. Yeah, I said he's like uh, Eeyore in human form. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that's perfect. And I said yeah. I have references. <laughs> Here you are, brain the size of a planet. <laughs> um, God knows I love a reference. So you get into it. I think a lot of people get into it when they're kids or they're young. Um, and then as you get older, you realize that it's also like it still has the good jokes. It's also full of really sharp satire of politics, of bureaucracy, capitalism. Um, it's also it's an extreme fish out of water scenario, which I think like if you're one of those weirdos who gets into it early, that feels very meaningful. Um and like extreme fish out of water, like take the fish out of the water and then like throw the water away or like boil the water off because you're talking about like this everyman character who is literally adrift in the universe. The earth has been destroyed. Everything is gone. He gets he gets like really like he has a nasty knock from realizing that McDonald's doesn't exist anymore. And it's also a story about trying to find meaning. It You know, the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe and everything the person who rules the universe, God's final message to his creation, um, and then discovering that actually meaning is really disappointing. So it's existential. Um, and the thing I think that's maybe the most impressive is that the jokes don't become, like the actual jokes and the silly stuff doesn't become less funny when you realize this. It just becomes additionally funny in a more sophisticated and nuanced way. Um, so I think for a lot of people who grew up with hitchhikers, or at least for me who grew up with hitchhikers, 
we actually sort of grew up through hitchhikers and kind of used it as a lens for understanding everything else in the world, basically, which is something that you can kind of do with science fiction. The slight defamiliarization kind of gives you a completely new perspective. And I think that it it really does make people more thoughtful and humane and like skeptical in a good way. So the Hitchhikers trilogy is five books um, and then also a radio show, a TV show. Um, this is not Douglas Adams' only work. Um, he could have rested on his laurels, but he went on to write the Dirk Gently series. He wrote a, a really beautiful nonfiction book about endangered animals, um, tried very, very hard uh, with extremely mixed results to revolutionize computer game storytelling. Haven't we all? Right. Haven't we all? <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. Like... Many of us, I think it's easy to fail at stuff, but like mm. actually like having the ambition to try the stuff first, you know, I usually just fail at stuff kind of in advance. You know, I skip the, <laughs> I skip the part where I actually do it. And he, he like created this incredibly ambitious computer game. It's borderline unplayable, but it's really ambitious, which is impressive, especially given that he was a notorious deadline misser. Um, which also makes him a wonderful role model um, for me. Uh, <laughs> like he had to be locked in hotel rooms in order to finish books, like by his publisher, with his publisher sitting there watching videos while he was writing to make sure that he was writing. Um, and time. Yeah. I'm so glad that's what you ended on. <laughs> wow, really took a turn. I probably should have mentioned that earlier because truly it's like, it's a significant part of the mythos, yeah. This man was sure. a prisoner of his publicist, uh, locked yeah. in a Hilton for three years. Oh no, his publisher, like a really high up guy at uh, at the time Random House, oh, wow. like was the person to sit in the room with him. And also I think demanded a bunch of Betamax videotapes that he could watch. Hmm. Which okay. really gives you like that that sort of establishes the era. I think there's something about this that's very like you know the like the story that Dolly Parton had got like locked in her hotel room because she was partying too much, and then she wrote "I will always love you" and Jolene at the same night. Like this is the 1980s nerdy British man version of it, <laughs> which yes. is like you're gonna sit down and write your sci-fi, the fifth <laughs> book in your trilogy of sci-fi satires. You're gonna do it right now. I mean, it makes me think that so, that we should all get locked in hotel rooms. I it mean, if I glamorous. knew if I knew an eccentric billionaire, what? I would ask him to please lock me in a hotel room, but like a nice hotel room. Yeah. And then like God knows. God knows what I could get accomplished. Uh not related at all, but Eric, buy me the Chateau Marmont. <laughs> And and also, I do, boy, oh boy, I feel like I owe Led Zeppelin a huge apology, because I famously bashed them for throwing a couch out the window of a hotel room uh, when they were on tour years ago. Just trying ago. to get out. They were just trying to get out. So uh, send Led Zeppelin an apology. I will. Uh, also, you do you still own the Chateau Marmont during your Star is Born phase. Oh, right. Yeah. You, do, you said that you bought it so that you could just have another look at it. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it's uh, I already own it. Uh, go ahead and ban Sean Penn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's Jess, smart. That's give smart. Give Jess Sean Penn's room. I'll, I'll, oh, that's nice. smart. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jess... 
here's the thing about this show is that um, Wikipedia did not have a lot of the thoughtful analysis that you did. I had some stuff like about, for example, how much the movie version with uh, Martin Freeman, Mostef, Sam Rockwell, and Zoe Deschanel did. It oh, we, made, don't, we don't acknowledge that. It made $21 million this opening weekend. It was modest. I always say that the best film adaptation of Hitchhiker's Guide is Galaxy Quest. Mm. That's fair. Uh, speaking of, Alan Rickman in both movies. He was mm-hmm. uh, Marvin the Parano- the depressed android in uh, in that one. So that's that, that one's right on the nose. Um, so I didn't have a lot of those. You did hit a lot of the important themes and the fact that there was this was both a radio show. And I think that it's kind of interesting how much of this book was adapted from like short stories and ideas that he had before. Like there were parts of this that were adapted because, again, he was British and worked and was a nerd. Like, Douglas Adams wrote a script that was supposed to be for Doctor Who that he then adapted into different parts of, of some of his later his later books, which I just found so funny. Um, so I can only give you four points. But I learned a lot about myself <laughs> and why people would like the book. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, I mean, the fact that it the fact that so much of it is recycled, I feel like also... I find very inspiring as a writer that, you know, sometimes, sometimes the idea just hasn't, hasn't found its proper nest yet. Mm. And, you know, it's still, it can just be like ping ponging around for a while until it fits in somewhere. Well, wonderful job, Jess. We're going to go ahead and give you, let's say, uh, 42 points for that. I think that's a good round number. Um, for some bonus points, Jess, uh, can you name, oh, you said there's five books, is that right? Yes. Can you name all five books? Yes. Would you like me to do that? Oh, please. Uh, no, uh, it's honor system based. Uh, <laughs> no, we just kidnapped you to put you in this billionaire's mansion for you to say, yeah, I know it. Yeah. I thought you know, this was just about me getting Sha- Sean Penn's room in the Chateau Marmont. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I do think we should do, uh, we should do a game show that's all honor system based of like, do you know this? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You get the money. Yeah, there you go. Uh, do we, oh, do we need a move? Do we need to move to a hotel room so that Jess will tell us <laughs> the things that we need to know for the game show? I'm concerned about this. No, that's only if there's a timeline. Oh, right. Of Fair course. enough. Of Fair course. enough. Yes, it's The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, Life, the Universe, and Everything, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, and Mostly Harmless. Outstanding. 42,000 points uh, for doing that. Uh, and then for an additional, let's call it um, 5,000 points, Jess, would you be able to name three potential further books, probably penned by Brandon Sanderson? Oh, um... Based on Douglas Adams' notes that he left behind? One of them is called The Salmon of Doubt, Mm -hmm. which is actually not mostly hitchhikers, but it's kind of of like a mishmash. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't actually know the other ones. There's three? Oh no! I was saying, oh, uh, oh. Cr- uh, create them, uh, make them up, make them up. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Yes. As um, far as I know, Brandon Sanderson has not written any books based off Douglas. Adams oh, that's notes. the guy with the yeah, yeah, yeah. But there um, is one. There is a, a post a posthumous book in existence. If it helps, it was written by the guy who wrote Artemis Fowl. He wrote. Yes. He, oh. He wrote a sixth installment called "And Another Thing," which is I in read the that guy. one, and it's. I mean, I don't want people to come after me. I read that Artist one and I will come don't after recommend <laughs> reading that one. But I mean, it, like, I feel like it's meaningful that I did not remember what it was called or who he was or that he wasn't Brandon Sanderson. Um, mm. <laughs> but OK, so there is one called The Simon of Doubt, 
Um, there could be one called um, mm-hmm. an accident with a contraceptive and a time machine. Perfect. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a reference. Um, there could be one called the other Shelton next Jupilberry shrub, which is a um, line from the radio show that I reference quite often, but I'm not going to give you the context for it this time. Um, and let's say Holy Zark one singing fish. Fantastic. That's an additional 6,000 points. Very good. Thank you so much, Jess. Uh, Eric, at the end of that, how many points does Jess have? Well, just doing some quick math here. Uh, we are at, you have 48,046 points. Congratulations, Jess. Awesome. Uh, well, Eric, why don't we go ahead and um, blast off to round two? Three, two. Well, and we'll, we'll, we'll say at two, you go to round two. Does that make sense? I think that, I think that works. Okay, and I'll count myself in five, six, seven, eight, and then I'll count down from three. <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, three, two. And it's Jess, we're here at round two. Like, this, the way that you said it originally, uh, Mr. Rafi, was that everything feels so British when we're talking about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm like, oh, yes, this is how the BBC would announce a rocket going off. Everything just feels so extra British when we're talking about this. Uh, mm-hmm. We're here in round two, which is the perfect thing. Jess, what is a perfect encapsulation of Douglas Adams' work and or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? If someone asked you, well, what's an example for why you love this thing so much? What would you say? Well, you know, I said that I wasn't going to explain to you about the Shelton Axe, but I, this is, I truly think about this so often. Um, there's Please. a part in the radio show which is not, not in the book. So I kind of, I treasure it because it only appears in this one place. Um, and it's about how the phrase, uh, the grass is always greener or like the other man's grass is always greener appears in the language of every single race across the galaxy. Everybody has some version of this, mm. except for the Shelton Axe because their botany is so weird that the closest they could get was the other Shelton Axe Jupilberry shrub is always a more movie shade of pinky russet. And that just took so long to say that they were forced to give up and just be really, really contented with what they had. Um, and the reason that I like this so much is it's this, it feels like a perfect encapsulation of the way that that kind of like slight, you know, sci-fi defamiliarization thing makes you think completely differently about things in your own life. Like about the idea that like you would be forced to be content if you didn't have a way of expressing how discontented you were like that's mm. fucking deep and it gets i think it's it's a good encapsulation of why like this thing that is funny and silly and gets treated as just kind of a joke also has like these sort of like deep pockets basically not deep pockets in the manner of mr Rafi. i was gonna say my yeah. ears are burning <laughs> There's there's something about hearing every example of this where it's like, did Douglas Adams, on one hand, I'm like, did Douglas Adams get in a spaceship, fly around and see these aliens? And then another thing, but at the same time, I think about it for five more seconds and I'm like, no, that's a guy at a pub. A guy at a pub like is thinking that at the same time. And I wonder if like that's this, this, the, the balance that's constantly happening. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Like he didn't get in the spaceship and fly around and see the aliens because he didn't have to. He just had to like walk out the door and look around and see the aliens. Um, and I think part of the reason that it appeals so much to little weirdos like I was, and in many ways still am, just, you know, larger little weirdo, uh, is that if you already have that sense of like, who are all these people? Like, what is wrong with you? Mm. 
like everybody around you is an alien. It's an it's a sort of a nice way of kind of organizing that. And then like Margaret Thatcher's there. <laughs> like she's like standing always. behind looming him. always. Yeah. yeah, she's just looming over the book. I mean, in many ways also Donald Trump is there. Like Yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> a fantastic answer to round 2. Just thank you so much. We're going to give you I'm going to say 42 points for that. Nice uh, round number. It's a good number that you chose randomly and I like yes. that you did that. Thank you so much. Uh, and I also want to award you an additional 10,000 points because I do think, and Jess, I, probably this is on you, I think you should write a book called Large Little Weirdo. <laughs> I think for some reason that just really uh, uh, scratches an itch in my brain. If you lock me in a hotel room. Uh -huh. <laughs> we will get a different editor to stand behind you and make you write this book. Now, something I like about the book, Jess, is that early on in the book, when the dolphins all leave... They express gratitude. They say, so long and thanks for all the fish. Uh, for an additional, let's say, 2,000 points, can you let me know another animal, device, uh, anything at all on Earth that might express gratitude when leaving? Mm. And, what, and what they'd be thankful for? I mean, you would think that I would say like a dog or a cat, mm. but I truly don't. I don't really think that they understand the alternative. Yeah, I own three cats, and um, I've never seen, even with a glance, I've never seen my cats express gratitude. It's The yeah. look is more like, that's right. Yeah, I think cats experience no gratitude, and dogs, dogs, it just doesn't occur to them that yeah. this might not be happening. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and those cats are Sigfield and Roy's tigers, which makes it even, even more impressive. Sorry, I should say, I have three cats. It's Siegfried and Roy's tigers, and also the MGM lion. Now, I've kept it alive for, I want to say, 97 years, and it is on its last bones. Well, okay, I don't think it's going to thank you for that. Exactly. <laughs> but every time it's every time it roars, I take a big toke and I start Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, for, uh, uh, totally unrelated. When you do open the door, everything's Technicolor, and you do hear the sound of change. Yes, <laughs> but that's yeah. just that's just part of the house. Ooh, makes me want to do that later tonight. Uh, it's on the menu. Uh, so I can't remember if it was white rhinos or black rhinos, but there was. Since we're talking about Douglas Adams, there was there was one type of rhino that like was very very endangered and then i believe he like put on a costume of it and tried to climb a mountain this is way back in my memory banks but i think he put on like a white rhino costume and tried to climb a mountain and i really think that that deserves at least a little thank you yeah so some type of rhino but i don't know which color outstanding uh, additional two thousand points absolutely and if, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but you ever notice how white rhinos charge like this? Women women rhinos v shopping? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in a rhino suit in 1994. I thought it was Mount Kilimanjaro, but then I was like, that can't be right. Th that's a big that's mountain. That's the mountain from the Toto song. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, as as Kilimanjaro. Shit. Yeah. So Douglas Adams climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in a rhino suit? Yeah. That does is, it say? Does it say what what flavor of rhino? Uh, it does not say which. Okay. I think he was doing it just about all rhinos, not particular colors of rhinos. Well, then all rhinos better thank him. Yeah, all rhinos. I think the 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 sentence Douglas Adams climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in a white rhino suit. I think if you put a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters it, locked in a hotel, I think they'd write that within thirty minutes. That's yeah, so they'll get bonkers. that really fast. Yeah, yeah. Imme yeah. immediately. 
but they'd sit on it. They'd edit it down. That's what they'd start with. That's yeah. that's classically what monkeys start with. They're just like limbering up. That's that's yeah. their like yeah. the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. I yes. mean, the problem is you got to lock them in a hotel room before they start going to the typewriters. That's the hard part about this experiment. Okay. Um. Hey, Eric, can I see you yeah. over here for a second? Uh, Jess, uh, 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 feel free to pour yourself a drink. Yeah. Uh, raid the fridge, whatever you want. Pet, pet the pet the lion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and yes, I, sh- yes. I, I should say when you open up the fridge, it is the set from Room Raiders. Um. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Eric, can I see you over here? Yeah. Hey, I feel really um shown up by douglas adams yeah uh sure. is there a mountain i can climb in some sort of suit so that i feel like you know that i'm as much of a big man as him i think so you can take it you can take any of the animal suits that yeah. you have yeah and, and from a previous episode we have k3 which is one better than k2 so you can that's do right. that i own k3 oh yeah. thank god you remember that i would have totally forgotten that's and that's the thing i always forget about what i own okay so i'll climb <laughs> k3 Climb K three and like uh, what do you what do you think? Like, uh, well, do you want to you do you want a new animal suit or do you want one of the ones you have? Because I do I have a list of the ones you have. Yeah, they're real animal skin, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah. What, okay. what are we? Not someone who works for a billionaire and a billionaire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jack yeah. Hanna's my second cousin. So yeah, of course. Yeah, for was, sure. He was yeah, shipping sure. me all kinds of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that, Jess. Uh, uh, P.S. For no reason. What's your favorite animal? Yeah, I'm just try- I'm just trying to think of an animal that's like big enough that you could get inside. So like cow, we can do a mm. lot of small ones. That's definitely within our purview. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if you've seen that. the documentary Inner Space, but we have the technology, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in many ways, my favorite animal is a dog. But I feel like if you're an eccentric billionaire that's skinning dogs to make a suit, like that's really been done. Yeah. That, yeah. that row has been hoed already. You need at least 101, but I think yeah. more. Cruella didn't have the organizational skills. She didn't have the assistance to I put this together. I mean, it does depend together. on the size of dogs. Th- those dogs were small. Yeah, they were pretty small. Yeah. That's, that's true. Also, 101 dogs for one coat? What are you doing with all that excess material? <laughs> you got to use every part of the animal that you turn into coats. That's like if I killed 101 cows uh, and I only uh, made one filet mignon. What are you doing with all the T-bones, the New York strips, the brisket? What are we? What's going on here, Cruella? I mean, to be fair, I heard you did do that. I did do that. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. But to be fair, they're uh, cows. I think cows burp a bunch of stuff in the atmosphere or something. Cows yeah, are bad. Methane, yeah. That also sounds like something Douglas Adams made up. I can't tell the difference between real things and fake things after yes. preparing for this episode. Yes. And I should say, I'll admit it. I created gateway computers. And I don't know if you remember this. But when I used to ship people gateway computers, I would kill a cow, skin it, make a cardboard box out of its skin. That was our whole branding was cowhide yeah i caught a lot of slack for that ended up with millions of cows i didn't know what to do with so uh had to open up a steakhouse but jess that's neither here nor there it was yeah. a different I, time i liked your famous uh catchphrase moo you're getting adele and people thought that was so dumb so i was like i don't know put a fucking stoner in there <laughs> and he's like moo you're getting adele nice. yeah yeah we kept it the same yeah it was the same uh, how many points does Jess have uh, at the end of round two? Uh, Jess, at the end of round two, you have 58,088 points. Congratulations. Thank you. I will cherish them. Yes, cherish them. Cherish them like I'll cherish 101 dogs. 102 dogs. Yeah, 102. <laughs> but only a few square inches. Yes, exactly. Hey, it's Eric. I'm a real person. 
not the one you hear me play on uh, TV or on the podcast, because I'm in my mom's basement uh, recording on my laptop, and there's a lot of unfinished walls in here. So welcome to the mid-roll. Uh, I'm a real person with a real mother. Uh, hey, if you want to hear me say your name out loud, and if you like the show and you want to support independent media, you should go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash tmaipod. Um, I'll read your name out loud and you get ad-free episodes. And if you become a billionaire and you give us a billion dollars, and it's not a billion dollars, it's like $20, uh, you can get your own uh, special Tell Me About It episode as well. We did it. We've done it for someone already. There's another one on the way. It's going to be really fun. Uh, if you're trying to avoid your parents, like I am in the basement, you might love the other shows from the Multitude Podcast Collective, like Games and Feelings, one of my other podcasts. Basically, it's an advice show about all types of games. Join Question Keeper, Eric Silver, and a revolving cast of guests, including permanent cast member Jasper Cartwright, as we answer your questions at the intersection of fun and humanity, since, you know, you gotta play games with other people. And we are talking about all types of games, video games, tabletop, party, laser, Escape, game streams, D&D podcasts, game shows like this one, the companies and workers that make games, the billionaires that own those companies, anything you can think of. How do you convince people who've only played Monopoly to play a new board game with you? What do you do if you're much better at Scrabble than your mother? How, what makes a video game cozy? And do we have recommendations? We answer any and all of these questions as long as they're games related. If you like what you hear and you want to level up your emotional intelligence stats, subscribe now wherever you get your podcast to Games and Feelings. New episodes every single Friday, except for this Friday because it's Thanksgiving, but every Friday. We are sponsored this week by Ravensburger Cree Art. Did you know that Ravensburger produces more than just the classic jigsaw puzzles and board games that we know so well? Introducing Cree Art by Ravensburger, the ultimate painting by number experience. You'll find everything you need to start your artistic journey today with Ravensburger's carefully curated painting by number kits. Whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kits cater to all skill levels and ages. Embrace the therapeutic benefits of a painting by number as you melt away the stresses of holiday life and daily life, but holiday life too, and find solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas. Easily explore Ravensburger's wide selection of enchanting designs on Amazon, ranging from majestic landscapes to adorable animals and everything in between. Let your imagination run wild and embrace the joy of painting with Cree Art by Ravensburger. Shop for Cree Art on Amazon, maybe on Black Friday, today. And now, back to the show. Um, uh, three, three, round three, round three. Round three. Or, yes. If this is a question and answer portion. We have some follow-up questions for you, and they are the gotcha questions that come out of the improbability drive, so you never know what kind of questions are going to come out of it. Please answer as many questions as possible. Mr. Refai, take it away. All right. Question number one. What piece of technology from the books do you wish you had? The Babblefish, the point-of-view gun, a depressed android? Point-of-view gun is from the movie, and we don't acknowledge the movie, um, but... <laughs> The, the answer is I actually have a Babelfish tattoo, so I feel like that one has been answered for me. Mm. Oh, you say Babel? Yeah, they say Babel in the radio show, so I just I just adjusted. Oh, I will adjust as well. I had no idea. The Babelfish. Babel, Babel, Babel. I like that. I, uh, wait, are we not saying the same thing? Everything's been really confusing since this tower went up, and I thought that I thought we were all saying the same thing. You need a fish in your ear, man. It's true. I, you know, 
I would be 100% willing to have a weird thing in my brain if I could understand every single language. Like, it really is just the trade-off. Yeah, I mean, tattoo or no tattoo, I feel like it's the Babelfish no question. Like, it's Mm. not even close. Yeah, also, Eric, a little tip, if that's what you're looking for. I was struck by lightning and could immediately play piano, (laughs) if that's helpful. You don't have to brag. You don't have to rub my face in it. Uh, Question number two. Elon Musk has stated that The Hitchhiker's Guide is one of his favorite works. His favorite philosopher is Douglas Adams. Something he actually said. That's a real Mm -hmm. quote. And his favorite spaceship ever is in The Hitchhiker's Guide. Musk said that the attitude that Adams presented through The Hitchhiker's Guide influenced the vision behind SpaceX and Tesla Motors. As a billionaire myself, I have to ask, how correct has Musk been in following The Hitchhiker's Guide? Like... Un- unbelievably incorrect, like so incorrect <laughs> that he got made fun of for it in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was forced to actually read parts of an article about Elon Musk, which I did not want to. But my friend sent it to me and said, "There's some Douglas Adams stuff in here, making fun of him for being incredibly bad at reading or understanding the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy." So, like when even Jill Lepore calls you out, like <laughs> that's. Yeah. That's that's rough. It's embarrassing, yeah. Yes, absolutely. How how can someone be this bad and in misinterpreting something? I know that satire involves a little bit of thinking, but I don't understand how you can be like, oh, t- SpaceX and Tesla, that's obviously the foundation of those companies and everything they do it is coming from this satirical book about society. Well, he also watched Spaceballs and was like, yeah, a flamethrower is good merchandising. <laughs> That's, that one's true. Yeah, I mean, that I, mean true. I think that if you take everything solely on face value because you have no ability to understand it beyond then, then anything that's even mildly sarcastic, you're ju- like, you're just getting it on the, you know. Because um, there's part, there's there's like parts in the Hitchhiker's Guide that's like, oh yeah, uh, being rich was so great for these guys because you know poor people weren't important or whatever. So if you oh, sure. if you read that without like the the tiniest amount of subtlety or or intuition or insight, then you're just like, yeah, being rich is great. Build a planet, ruin the economy of the entire galaxy. Like, hmm. they, I should planets. have a third arm. That would be super helpful. <laughs> exactly. You're right. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah. Uh, Pluto got kicked out, right? Is it for sale? Uh, anyway, we'll figure that out. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Thank I'll you. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Jess, last question. In 2019, Hulu announced that a reboot was in development. Rubs hands together, licks lips. Lost showrunner Carlton Coos. Is that is that his last name? It Coos? should be. <laughs> I don't want to look in. I don't want to look into it. I love that. It's, it just felt it felt bad to say Coos. Uh <laughs> we'll go with that. Lost showrunner Carlton Coos would run the series and the story would be updated for modern times. But the project stalled in 2020 with no real news of it starting back up. Do we need this? Was it good that it's not coming back? Uh I I think I read something recently. It may have been an interview with that guy. It was an interview with someone who was trying to pitch a reboot. Mm-hmm. With, Mr. Like, <laughs> with Mr. Coos. With Mr. Coos. Mr. Coos. Who was like, oh, I was going to, I'm going to take out Arthur Dent because he's not interesting. He's the least interesting part of it, which is like the, the human at the center of all of this. Right. Which to me, that is a deep misunderstanding of the entire point of all of this, which is Mm -hmm. about like being 
essentially cast into like the least familiar situation that you possibly can be in and having to try to find a certain amount of familiarity in it. Mm. Like that's, that's sort of the whole, that's the whole part of the story. So I think it's probably good that this reboot didn't get off the ground. I am sort of constantly fan casting an imaginary reboot in my head though, to the point that like I've had to like update it several times because people age out of the roles. Mm. Um, so well, like- I would be, I would be remiss and little known fact. I won Remus America, uh, 2007. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for an additional 10,000 points. What's your fan casting? Well, so I feel very strongly about, uh, Gugu Mbatha raw as Trillian. Um, mm, that's a good one. I am. I got the, I got the idea in my head. It's not good, but of, uh, Greg Davis as Zaphod and then Alex Horn as as Arthur Dent. And speaking of people who like really have aged out of the role, that's that's probably no good, but I sort of can't shake it. Um and I'd have to I mean, I, I truly have like had many conversations about this in which I've like refined it slightly. And so I would have to consult my notes beyond that. But okay. I'm very commit I'm very committed to my trillion pick and I would like them to make it before like she gets too big, basically. Yeah. Which we'll like we're right on the edge of. Absolutely. We'll give you 3000 points for that. And for the answers to the three questions, we'll give you an additional, we're going to say 42 points. So that's 3,042 points. Eric, what is Jess's total up to now? Really good number. Thank you. Random number. Thank you so much for choosing uh-huh. it. Uh, I think that, yeah, I also want to, and now that most deaf is, has been the 21st century Ford prefect, like you could be, you could choose literally anyone. So I can yes. see why that one is the hardest one to choose now. Ford, Ford is a really hard person to cast. And I don't think that he's ever been quite done justice, actually. Yeah. Well, so that's very strongly about Ford Prefect. Yeah. He's just like, he's just a cool alien dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, 61,130 points, by the way, is how many points you have. Sounds good. It's a good, it's a good number. It's a good number with a bunch of 42s inside. And I think that it's good for yeah, no reason whatsoever. Sounds good because it is good. You know what else is good? Round four, the wheel of extraordinary challenges. Let's have my MGM lion drag that wheel out. Ooh, really? Oh God, he's in bad shape. Really? Ooh. Oh, yikes! Yeah, thanks, buddy. Here's um, here's some liquefied uh, beef for you. I know you can't chew anymore. Uh, thanks, buddy. I've instructed my manservant Eric to prepare a few wacky mini games here to test your intellectual and creative metal, Jess. Eric. What do we have today? We have a game called Which of These Didn't Happen? There's so much happens in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Jess, I have a few things here that I want to tell I want to ask you if you happen. It's so funny because a Tumblr post with the, of this has been kicking around lately, so I just chose this. So you are competing against everyone on Tumblr who interacted with this post. <laughs> oh, I can easily beat everyone on Tumblr. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. Uh, I have a special shout out to Oak Green Oak who made this Tumblr post. So I'm doing the same one that was from this Tumblr post. Okay, so you're with- competing against everyone on Tumblr, and daily I'm fighting with everyone on Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which again, Twitter and how it's run foundationally from yes. Douglas Adams. Just oh, you know, everything it's X. I'm that sorry, is from I'm the book. On X. On yeah, X. it's from the book, but just not the parts that he thinks it's from. <laughs> okay, so which of these things did not happen in any canon Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy material? I have 12 options here. So we're going to go through each 12 and you talk out how you feel if you think this happened or not. Only one didn't happen. Okay. So what's as we go through, you'll mark which one you think didn't happen, and then we'll go back and we'll do a final decision, and then I'll reveal it. But I have looked into all of these, and I okay. can tell you definitively which one de- which ones did or did not happen. Eleven of these happened in the actual books, the written books. Um, if that hel- if that helps you, these were all from the written books. Only one of these did not happen. Jess, are you ready? Yes, so okay. ready. One. Arthur picks a fight at a party with Thor, God of Thunder, and comes out unscathed. That happened. That happened. Can you give us some context? Yes, this is in uh, Life, the Universe, and Everything. They uh, they go and join a party, an eternal party that is flying around um, a sort of withered husk of a planet, occasionally raiding the surface, um, and they are supposed to... They're, they're actually, they're just, they're just picking up trillions so that they can go, uh, save the universe, which Ford does not want to do. And also nobody else at the party wants to do it. And Trillian is trying to go home with Thor, um, because he's a god of thunder and he's really hot. For sure. Um, and they absolutely cockblock her. All right. We'll, again, we'll come back to this and we'll reveal how your success is through. So we'll keep going. Number two, Ford Prefect cries listening to the actual Elvis sing Love Me Tender. Yep. That happens in Mostly Harmless. Uh, it turns out that he was in fact abducted by aliens and now he is running a diner. Incredible. All right. Number three, dolphins give Arthur a commemorative save the humans fishbowl. Oh yeah, that does happen. That's, that's in my least favorite, which is so long and thanks for all the fish. Um, but it's, it's like in with his piles of mail that are on his doormat when he gets home. Regardless of whether or not this is true or not, <laughs> I think it's funny that the entire thing is like, save just the, the so 1980s, 1990s of like, yeah, Greenpeace, save the oceans. It's like, that's the, some of the most scathing satire Douglas Adams can come up with. Uh, all right. Number four, Ford prefect hacked a giant robot into going on vacation to a coastal town in England named Bournemouth. That's possible. Okay. That's possible. All right, we'll come yeah. back to that. Yeah. All right, cool. Number five, Ronald Reagan is an escaped super dangerous alien creature. Technically, that's not from the five Hitchhiker's Guidebooks. That's from an additional story called Young Zaphod Plays It Safe. Uh, but that did happen. It was it was written down, though. That it sure was written, was written down. That yes. sure was written yeah. down. Yeah, and it's packed, it's it's bound up in the like big bind up of, of the first four three or four books it's it's in there okay okay uh number six arthur becomes stranded on a alien planet and proceeds to get a job making sandwiches yes also also in mostly harmless they go directly from there to the domain of the king which is where all this is done is all right number seven mice are revealed to be pan-dimensional beings running an experiment on the entire universe major plot in the first book and sort of a running plot thereafter why mice why mice uh it turns out that that is just how they project into this dimension <laughs> just as little <laughs> that's guys ju- that's just what they look like just yeah. as little guys <laughs> just as little guys all right number eight a time anomaly causes arthur to accidentally destroy ford's planet in the past no ford's planet was destroyed in the great collapsing hung disaster okay so i uh, put a pin in that 
Yeah. And what's see, and what is a karung? Just to just to, just to ask. Oh, no one no one can actually satisfactorily explain that. Great, and love these. Sorry, books. Jess, you said put a pin in that. Yes. Okay, take out my foil. And- <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm reading. <laughs> Why? Why? You let your guard down. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a hit for you. Eric, you know we're always fencing. <laughs> that's a hit for you. That's fair. Uh, all right, number nine. Arthur was functionally immortal until his teenage daughter shot a man in a club. That That is true and like part of, I think, an incredibly complicated storyline that doesn't get its due. <laughs> <laughs> you oh you mean the books? No no the the last I think the last book is underappreciated and it has it has actually like a really sophisticated sort of reverse reverse time travel kind of thing going on. Mm, okay number ten the universe is actually run by a man with a cat he calls the Lord. Yes correct also very important almost as important as the mice. Yeah let talk tell me about the guy who runs the universe. His his whole thing is that he doesn't he doesn't run it on purpose. Um just like. He's only willing to directly comment on things that are completely apparent to him. And so, in fact, he would not say that he had a cat. He would say that he had something that he perceived to be a cat and that he took care of it because it pleased him to behave in a certain way to something that he thinks is a cat. And that turns out to be the kind of outlook that you need to answer questions about how the universe should be handled this stuff so good in a book if someone said that to my face i would walk out of the pub with two beers <laughs> <laughs> i mean did you expect to like get along with the guy who r- rules the universe i i guess you're right that's what you're <laughs> right because it's yeah good yeah good point good point i'm putting myself in the anglican church in the uk in 1980s you're <laughs> absolutely right 11 speaking of british stuff cricket the sport was modeled after the most brutal galactic war that is true yeah that's sort of the that's sort of the main thrust of like the universe and everything that cricket is bad no cricket cricket is cricket itself is fine but it's like this weird sort of racial memory in which humans are re reenacting it's essentially like a civil war reenactment except if you don't remember anything about the civil war or and you're not aware that the civil war happened and that explains why it goes for three days yeah that makes sense yeah. uh and finally okay number 12 the zaphoid Beeblebrox got a lobotomy to become president of the galaxy gave himself a lobotomy to become president of the galaxy that's impressive that one is the one that makes me like lets you know this is a satire yes. <laughs> <laughs> that also sounds like a uh, Tribe Called Quest lyric. Zaphoid Beeblebox got a lobotomy to become president of the galaxy. Yeah, and then Fife comes in and tells you he's how tall he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he tells you that he's 5'3 and awesome for, for, for two minutes. <laughs> All right, Jess, this is incredible. We are down to two. You marked two that you did not think happened. Uh, I'll go back yes. to those. Ford Prefect hacked a giant robot into going on vacation to a coastal town in England. Or a time anomaly causes Arthur to accidentally destroy Ford's planet in the past. Which one do you think is fake? It's a really good question because he does he does hack a robot to be very happy mm-hmm. in the fifth book. But it's not a giant robot. It's quite small. And his name is Colin. Um, <laughs> but I sort of don't remember either of those things happening. I'm going to say it's the time anomaly one because Ford's planet was definitely destroyed in the great collapsing Hrung disaster. And I think that if there was like a gloss that said, actually, Arthur caused the great collapsing Hrung disaster, oh, it would have been like a tiny little, hmm. I will hmm. need an answer. 
I will need an answer, and I will not let you out of this hotel room. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 nor should you, nor should you. Uh, it's embarrassing, honestly, that I'm not sure which of these it is. Uh, and please, um, there's a complimentary water, but uh, everything in the fridge is like $8, so just please leave that alone. <laughs> well, can I have $8? <sighs> if, you, if you answer this correctly. No. Oh, shit. All right. Um, you get one bo- tiny bottle of tequila. <laughs> and I'm a billionaire, so $8 to me is like $7. Can I have a tiny bottle of Old Jank Spirit? Because I feel like that'll do that'll do Ooh. the job of many tiny bottles. Of you can tequila. have that, yeah. I'm going to go with the Burnhamth one because I think that you threw something that sounded British in there to confuse me. Okay. Remember, that one it, was, it was, I will say it was not oh, me. It was, it was Tumblr. It was Tumblr. Did it. Yeah, yeah. Tumblr did it. <laughs> I, it is not me. Tumblr did it. All right. Well, I, I acquitted myself well enough by being able to pull Great Collapsing Hrung Disaster out of the depths of my consciousness. That's very, so that's very I feel true. like if it was that one then I still feel all right about my performance. All right. Jess, would you like to know the one that Tumblr voted on the most? Yes, please. The one that they voted on the most was the Ronald Reagan one, the one that Ronald Reagan was an alien. I think it's the one that jumps out the most, certainly, because people on Tumblr... Kid, people who are using Tumblr in 2023 definitely want to smash the smash the subscribe button on Ronald Reagan being a terrible alien as fast as possible. So I see all that one jumping. Out. You also have to like it's not. It's a little subtle that it's Ronald Reagan. And actually, when I read it as a kid, it literally was the Reagan era. And I still thought it was supposed to be Jesus. That's it's it's funny you say that you are absolutely nailing it later on in later editions. They call this alien the the, basically this incredible this company makes a bunch of special creatures. And these are all like the bad parts smooshed together. They call them a Reagan later on in Mm. later editions to make it very clear because a lot of people don't know. So you're 100 percent correct on that. Drilling down, the one that is actually fake is the time anomaly that Arthur <gasps> accidentally destroys Ford Planet. You're 100% correct about the Hrung. There is a footnote in the in the novel that says that Ford's birth name is only pronounceable in a specific dialect and no one knows how to speak it because of the great collapsing Hrung disaster, which is only in a footnote. So you are yes. all 100% correct on that. Except and, they, and they all called him Ix, which r- means boy who is not able to satisfactorily explain what a Hrung is or why it should choose to collapse on Beta G7. Exactly. And the thing is that Arthur didn't do it. It just happened. The, I'm normal. The giant robot did, in fact, want to go to a coastal town in England. Um, this is the same giant robot that said, to, tying up all of the themes that you said, we come in peace, take me to your lizard, because the person <gasps> who programmed this robot assumed that all leaders were lizards, because on his planet, all leaders are lizards. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, All right, I'm embarrassed. I'm duly embarrassed. You are so, you are, I thought you were if going, you were so close. collapse on me. I <laughs> You were so close. So the four, you only get four dollars, which is not enough for the mini bar. But you yeah. now you're more annoyed that you you I, you would rather have no no money at all. No, I'm going to demand the other four dollars from Tumblr. They should be more embarrassed than I am. Sure. Just this is like my friends growing up who were like, oh, Yale was my backup school. <laughs> <laughs> you got in. You're doing great. Yeah, except that there's like. A lot of benefits, I think, to going to Yale, and I feel like there are fewer benefits to being able to recite footnotes from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from memory. Fair enough. Historically, in my experience. I don't know. You could become the richest man, (laughs) the second richest man after Mr. Rafai on the entire, Mm -hmm. in the entire planet, if you follow everything in this book. So pretty good. If, no, if I if I follow if I read everything in this book and then misinterpret it completely. Right, right. right. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Let's say for round four, Jess, we'll let's call it 
42 points. 42 points and and $4. Thank you. So Yes, and $4 as well. Um, and let's, okay, I have a little bonus game. This will go very quickly, Jess. I need you, you're just going to have to uh, guess immediately. We mentioned Ronald Reagan, Elvis Presley, and Thor. I have three special guests behind that curtain over there. <laughs> They've been waiting patiently. I need you to tell me who the voice is of each person talking. Are you ready, Jess? <laughs> No, but okay. go for it. Okay, here we go. Here's the uh, uh, number one, Bachelor number one, go ahead. Well, me and Nancy went to the Poconos. <laughs> okay, Jess, who do you think that was? I think that's a that's a terrible alien construct, also known as Ronald Reagan. Okay, uh, contestant or Bachelor number two. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hiya. Hiya. That, that sounds like the line cook at the domain of the King Diner or Elvis. Okay, and finally, bachelor number three. Lightning crashes! An old mother dies! <laughs> That's Thor doing karaoke. That's good. Ooh, so close. That was Ed Kowalczyk. I think his name is the lead singer of Live. Um, I'm so sorry. You're so close. Uh, we'll give you an additional thousand points because you got the first two right. Uh, live, I've seen Live Live. They do a phenomenal version of a song called Dolphin's Cry, which may or may not be based on Hitchhiker's Guide. Possible. I yeah, feel like possible. we have to move on or then a Marvel per a Marvel fan will like kick through the wall and tell us that this happened in a comic. And so I feel like we need to move we need to keep going. Yeah. Actually an Animal Man uh 42. <laughs> this is exactly what Grant Morrison does. Speaking of what Grant Morrison does, he ends things, and it is time to end the show. Jess, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's been um, Mr. Rafai. First of all, yeah, I got you. Uh, oh, oh. And second of all, for hey, first of all, never let your guard down. Second of all, we do have that thing we have to do before the end of the show. Oh, right, my credit card swiping hand. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, yes. There's one. Haha. There's one more thing for a final bonus point, Jess. You will answer this random trivia question about the world's most perfect film. Greece. In 1994, John Travolta hosted Saturday Night Live. The goodnights at the end of the episode turned into the final scene of Greece. Travolta drives off into the sky with which singer, who was the musical guest, playing Sandy? I have no idea. And because my most recent contact with the final scene of Greece is in one of Demi Adjuebe's, uh September 21st videos, I'm mm -hmm. just going to say Demi Adjuebe. I don't think he was famous enough at the time to be the musical guest in 1994. He, he may not have been super born. No. I got to say, you're not far off. Out of all the things you could have guessed as the singer, you're not that far. Uh, Adel, may I answer this one? Uh, go ahead, bachelor number one. Uh, Nancy and I sat down and watched this one together in the Oval Office. Was it Seal? You were in the Oval Office in 1994? <laughs> Uh, it is Seal though. Good job, Reagan. It is Seal. Seal played Sandy. It was it was really cute. That's Seal cute. wore yeah. like a like a wig, and it was so ridiculous. Also, okay, just to cute. see like Chris Farley is so high energy watching this all happen. It's absolutely incredible. Kiss from a rose, beautiful Jess. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, uh, Eric. How many points did Jess end up with? 
Jess ends up with 62,172 points and $4, which Ooh. puts her at second. She is second on the yeah. big board. Wow. Congratulations. Not bad. That puts you right ahead of our editor, Misha Stanton, who talked about Magic the Gathering, who's probably pretty pissed about that right now. But Stuart Wellington, oh, just, just, it was a blast from, from a cannon of him talking about Warhammer 40K. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, and as always, the stuffed visage of Brennan Lee Mulligan stays on the wall after he got a, a billion points. 51 billion, I believe. Uh, Jess, well, I threw that one question so that so that he would feel good about himself. Well, that, I was going to say, Jess, uh, both congratulations and my apologies. I know second place is the Yale of places, so. <laughs> Damn. It's still a degree. <laughs> yes, you live in uh, Connecticut, but hey, it'll be fine. There's good pizza all around. Sorry you went to school in Connecticut and not in, Bo not in Boston. Sorry. Yes, yes. I don't apply to any of these places. <laughs> well, Jess, what you should apply to is promoting anything you'd like to plug right now. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like you always have to plug the book. Uh, my book is a pretty different vibe from all of this, but now you can you can read feminist essays about mythological monsters with the knowledge that they are being written by somebody who has way too deep of a bench of hitchhiker's lore woo. um and so it's called women and other monsters one person is going woo <laughs> <laughs> and it's me woo. no i i think i heard uh what was his name the lead singer from live ed kowalziak i heard give a little woo just thank you so much so wonderful to have you on congratulations on second place eric my apologies for the stabs we'll get you um you know, the in-house doctor sometime soon. I'll get you back. I'll continue to get you back. Uh, go ahead and give Jess the keys to the uh, Chateau Maman. That's fine. Now you can lock your yourself into your own hotel room and get things mm -hmm. done. Well, that's all for this episode of Tell Me About It. Tune in next week for more climbing, more Kilimanjaro, and more white rhinos. Say goodbye, Eric. <laughs> goodbye, Eric. Uh, do I get a goodbye? Goodbye, Reagan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.